We have a story to tell to the nations. That could have well been the motto of Paul and Barnabas as they embarked and continued on their first missionary journey. As they went from town to town and province to province throughout the Roman Empire, telling that story of truth and mercy, that story of peace and light. And this morning we join them once again in Acts chapter 14 as we anticipate what exciting and controversial things might have taken place in our biblical passage for this morning. So I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And as you're turning there, I want us to kind of briefly retrace uh, where we've been so far on this journey on the map behind me. And as you can see, kind of right there in the center, that large yellow arrow points to, to where we are today. The city of Iconium is where today's story takes place in Asia Minor or modern day Turkey. And the blue line here is the steps of this first missionary journey. And so you can see that that Paul and Barnabas were sent out from Antioch right here near the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And they sailed down across the sea and landed on the island of Cyprus. And they proclaimed the the gospel, the message of salvation through Jesus Christ from the eastern part of the island all the way across to the western before they then sailed again back up on the sea northward and landed in Asia Minor. And from there they went to Perga and then to the other Antioch, Poseidon Antioch, before finding themselves today in Iconium. Acts chapter 14 beginning in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra, in Derby, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. Faithful gospel proclamation yields results. Faithful gospel proclamation yields results. Sounds kind of like a physics formula, doesn't it? Proclamation of the truth And that truth proclaimed faithfully, together yield results. Now don't mishear me, because I'm not saying, nor does the Bible say, that if we faithfully and 
rightly proclaim the word of God to people in the world, that they will always respond by believing the message. In fact, we have a clear example of that right here in Iconium in chapter 14, verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Skip down to verse 4. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, here meaning the unbelievers, the Jewish unbelievers, not the Jewish believers here. Others with the apostles. And so just like we saw last week in our passage for last week, the message of the gospel is polarizing and it demands a response. You either accept it or you reject it. It's that kind of message. There's not, there's not a middle ground. There's really not, no, neutral, no neutral ground in our response to the gospel. But on the other hand, we see here very clearly that, that some, in fact many, responded favorably to that message. Look back at verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. And there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. And so these two men who were sent out from the church at Antioch did what they had done in the previous towns. They went into a new town and they looked for the Jewish synagogue or the, the place of worship in that town. And then they began to look for an opportunity to share the truth, just as they had done in Salamis and in Paphos and in Perga and in Poseidon and Antioch. Now they're doing in Iconium. And notice what it says. It says in verse 1 that they, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. In other words, the way in which we present the truth does have something to do with how people respond to the truth. And we saw last week that God plays a crucial role in our response to the message. We saw specifically in chapter 13, verse 48, that that God is involved and, and God impacts the way that people respond to the truth. The Spirit of God convicts and the spirit of God illumines and the spirit of God draws people to the truth. But now we're seeing an equally truthful component of evangelism and missions and sharing the gospel. And that's that our efforts, our evangelism efforts and the way that we approach that have something to do also with how people respond to that truth. The scriptures state clearly that, that these two men spoke it so effectively The English Standard Version says that they spoke it in such a way that many Jews and Greeks responded. And so the question for us this morning as we're thinking about our own missions and evangelism efforts and strategies is, what does that look like? What does it look like to effectively speak the truth of the gospel? What does it look like for us to to spread the message in such a way as that? I'm going to begin by stating what I don't think it means. I don't think that Scripture is teaching here or elsewhere that we're to go out and and to be sure that we proclaim the message of God with eloquent words and convincing arguments, not that those things are unimportant, 
But people's response to the truth, generally speaking, is far less tied to the giftedness of the teacher or presenter. Not discounting those gifts. We see those gifts in Scripture than it is to other factors. And so what does it mean? What does it mean for us to to faithfully proclaim the gospel? What does it mean for us to to faithfully tell that story to the nations, both here and, and beyond? And I think it means at least two things. I think that it means that we speak the message as it's clearly spelled out in Scripture, that we speak the clear biblical message of the gospel, and that we speak it with conviction. And if we believe that message, no doubt we're going to speak it with conviction. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, reads this way, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. As people who have easy access to the word of God. We're not left in the dark as to what that message is. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And the Galatians, the the Christians in Galatia are warned, warned in Galatians chapter one, verse eight, to beware of any gospel that is not the gospel that we preached to you. And so a necessary part for us to effectively and rightly and faithfully present the message of truth, the message of scripture, the message of the gospel, is to know that message of the gospel and to make sure that, that we communicate those essential elements of that story that, that Christ, the Son of God, was crucified on our behalf, according to the scriptures, that he was buried in that he was raised from the dead on the third day. And so when we present the gospel, we share our faith, and we share that story of truth with others, we need to make sure that that we get those things right. And that whatever we say, it, it is in line with those truths. And if we truly believe that, then we're going to share that with conviction. Faithful gospel proclamation yields results, and that involves Speaking the message, the clear biblical message, truthfully and speaking it in such a way as if we believe it. And that leads us to our second gospel truth for this morning. Because God's judgment is real, his messengers must persistently proclaim the gospel. Because God's judgment is real, his messengers must persistently proclaim the gospel. If there's anything that stands out about these two men's missionary efforts as well as the missionary efforts throughout the book of Acts of the early church, it's their persistence. 
their persistence despite opposition, despite rejection, despite even persecution. They continued on and they went from place to place sharing this message. When they were kicked out of one town, they went to the next and continued to, to share that, that same message. And that idea of persistence reminds me of sometimes in high school when I would play paintball with some of my, my buddies. And we would usually get together and we would play paintball, capture the flag style, and where the object of the game was to capture the other team's flag. And if you capture the other team's flag, then, then your team won the game. And usually we would play in such a way that if you were hit by a paintball in your efforts to, to capture the other team's flag, then you had to go back to your base in other words, you were out. You had to go back. You had to, to reset at base, and then you could go out again. But every now and then, we would play in such a way where it really didn't matter how many times you were hit. You just had to capture the other team's flag. It was up to you to decide if the trade-off was worth it, to go out in the open and, and to try to win the game. If you could just muster up enough adrenaline or perhaps enough stupidity to to endure the pain, to experience the thrill of winning, then, then your team could win the game. But more often than not, our intolerance for pain kept us hiding in the trees. Paul and Barnabas had great intolerance for discomfort and pain as they sought to spread the gospel in place after place after place. And they did so because the possibility of people responding to the truth and experiencing experiencing salvation and eternal life and forgiveness of sins far outweighed any discomfort that they might experience in the process. Our passage for today begins with these two in Iconium sharing the message of the gospel because they had been kicked out of Antioch. And it concludes in verses 6 and 7 with them fleeing to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news of the gospel because they were under threat of death in Iconium. Imprisonment couldn't stop them. Floggings couldn't stop them. Only death could stop them. Only the possibility of real stones could stop them from spreading that message because they were convinced that it was true. They were convinced that God's judgment was true. And the only way to to not experience God's just wrath and judgment and punishment was to trust in Christ for salvation. Why Why would they risk their lives to spread that message? Kinsley my daughter is currently in the Y stage. And you all know what I'm talking about because every child goes through this stage at some point or another where they ask why. And then they ask it again and again and again. And they just ask why to everything. And nothing, no answer suffices. And I'm not sure if they, they go down that road because 
They like to feel like they're in control of the conversation or because our answers really aren't that good. But church, we do have a good reason why we share the gospel. We have very good reasons why we spread that message, why we give our lives to spread that message, just like Paul and Barnabas. Because it's true. Because the gospel is true. Because God's judgment is real. And it's coming. And it's biblical. And we don't want people to experience God's judgment, His wrath. We don't want to see them experience eternity in hell. We want them to come to know the truth. And that is reason enough for us to make every effort to spread that message among all people, just like these in the early church did. And as we reflect on our own efforts, our own missions efforts, our own evangelism efforts, I want us to consider two, two questions for personal reflection. And the first is this, do we fail to evangelize because we don't really believe the Scriptures? Do we fail to evangelize, to share the gospel, to share our faith because we don't really believe the scriptures? There's a growing trend today among pastors and churches and authors of neglecting certain fundamental elements of the Bible, certain fundamental elements of God's word and overshadowing them with other things that are perhaps more comforting or easier to, to digest. And so, for example, people are saying things like, because God is, is loving, he wouldn't really send anybody to hell. Or because God is loving and, and compassionate, all lifestyles are, are acceptable and right. Or because God is compassionate and merciful, in the end, he's going to save all people. And church, those things sound great, but the only problem is they're not biblical. They're not in agreement with this book. And this book states very clearly that all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This book, the Bible, is true. It is right. And it is good. All of it. And the moment that we fail to acknowledge that this is the authoritative word of God, we cease to have good reason for even opening it together on Sunday morning. And unfortunately, that sad reality is becoming more and more common in churches today. Where preachers are 
standing up with little confidence in this book and, and sharing stories or giving talks or giving speeches or providing entertainment. Church, I don't, I don't have talks or speeches or entertaining remarks or anything else to give you. But we do have the living, breathing, authoritative, penetrating word of God to read and to believe and to digest and to proclaim every time we gather together as a church. And that word of God teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word of God teaches that there is no salvation, there is no forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus Christ. And the Word of God teaches that, that all men are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And that Word of God teaches clearly that for those that don't trust in Christ for salvation, that those that don't experience salvation by God's grace through Jesus Christ will spend an eternity in hell. Because God's judgment is real, his messengers must persistently proclaim the gospel. Speaking about that truth in their book, Erasing Hell, Francis Chan and Preston Sprinkle write, if the Bible does teach that there is a literal hell awaiting those who don't believe in Jesus, then this reality must change us. It should certainly purge our souls of all complacency. I'm convinced that the early church was so persistent in the spread of the message of salvation in Christ because they were convinced that God's judgment is real. And the second question to consider and to reflect upon as we think about our own evangelistic efforts is, do we fail to evangelize because we think everyone has already heard the message? Do we fail to share the truth because we think everybody has already heard the truth? And no doubt often that is the case. Many people have heard the truth and, and rejected it. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. That's what Scripture teaches. The two responses to the message are to accept it or to reject it. Perhaps we don't share our faith very often because we think that, that everyone has already either heard it, knows the story, and has either accepted it or rejected it. But even so, because God's judgment is real, we ought to persistently and faithfully proclaim the gospel. But there is a whole host of other people who have not accepted or rejected the message because they've never heard the message. There are 6,000 people groups around the world who are considered to have less than 2% evangelical Christians living among them. 6,000 people groups across the world that have less than 2% Christians living among them. 6% of the world's current population. Do you know what 6% of roughly 7 billion is? 
I don't either, but it's a lot. Six <laughs> percent of the world's current population does not have the New Testament, let alone all of the Bible, in their own language. Of the 12,000 people groups in the world today, approximately 3,000 of them are classified as peoples in, in which less than 50% are likely to have heard the gospel. Church, there are many people who have not even heard the gospel. And praise God that, that we have some of our own going out and sharing that message with people who have not heard the gospel. In fact, two of our own, Parky and Karen Allen, are, are going on two different trips coming up, one this week and one in a few weeks down the road in November, and going to a country in South Asia that is considered less than 2.5% Christian to intentionally share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ought to be about that. Many have not responded because they have not heard. Unless we believe that that everybody in our own nation has heard the message, I would encourage you to poll those that you know and to ask them. Ask them what the gospel is. Ask them what Christians believe. And I guarantee you, if you ask very many people, you'll get a whole host of different responses from go to church, to pray to God, to do more good stuff than bad stuff, to believe in Jesus. And even so, perhaps not knowing that biblical belief in Jesus involves repenting of sin and trusting in him and who the Bible says that he is for our salvation. People all around us, even in This city, the heart of the Bible Belt, don't know the story, don't know the truth, don't know the message or have heard the wrong message. And as the people of God, we ought to be about urgently and faithfully and persistently sharing that message with them. And that brings us to our third and final gospel truth for today. Because God's grace is real, his messengers must persistently proclaim the gospel. Because God's grace is real, his messengers must persistently proclaim the gospel. Not only is God's judgment real and true and coming upon those that are not found righteous by trusting in Christ for salvation, but his grace is real too. And apart from his grace, none of us would have a reconciled relationship with with the Creator. And none of us would escape His judgment. And none of us would spend eternity with Him. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. God's grace was evident right here in Iconium as well in Acts chapter 14. When the message of the gospel, the message of the Lord is referred to as the message of his grace, verse 3. 
And God's grace is such that he even was working beyond the efforts of Paul and Barnabas. Enabling them to do miracles here in this city. And get this, so that people would be more likely to respond to the message. Verse 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Friends, the grace of God transforms us. It changes us. And those that have responded to God's grace are trusting in Christ have become messengers of that grace in the world, just like these two, Paul and Barnabas. Not to be about persistently and faithfully proclaiming that message of grace in all the world. Meadowbrook Baptist Church, as messengers of God's judgment and God's grace, we must faithfully and persistently proclaim the gospel so that people may respond to the gospel. That's the heart of this passage for us today, to take away, to look at a passage such as this, and to draw a conclusion as messengers of God's judgment and God's grace. We must faithfully and persistently proclaim the gospel so that people may respond to the gospel. And if we believe that message if we believe in that message, if we believe in the message of this book, then we will not, we cannot take that message lightly. Are we being faithful and persistent messengers of the gospel? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to gather together in your name and to to look at your truth, to look at your word, Lord, and to submit to your word, stand under the authority of your word. Lord, I pray that your word, that your gospel continues to be on our hearts and on our minds. Lord, I pray that as a church that we're burdened to share that message with someone else, to share it with others. Lord, I pray that it's a joyful burden, a joyful burden because we ourselves have been transformed by your grace. We've recognized that you have not dealt with us as we deserve. And Lord, we praise you for that. We rejoice in that. We praise you for the cross. Lord, I pray that we'd never forget it. Remind us of it daily. Remind us of your goodness toward us, your kindness and your compassion toward us and compel us to be faithful messengers of your word throughout this world. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.